It's okay, mate. That seems to be the general consensus these days. Don't know what's getting deleted quicker, his tweets or his legacy. The only legacy I give a fuck about is the Legacy 5000 my mother flies around on. And with that, welcome to Billy Stopper, the show with the news of the day. You should give some time, but that's not enough. This is your first time stopping by. We thank you. Get ready for something you won't find anywhere else. I'm John Frank, and I'm joined by the godfather of Fight Night Picks, Craig Allen. Craig, this is the hard out edition. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. John started us off with some music uh, behind the scenes. Uh, inside baseball is the Chicago Cubs mug is getting drank out of that you buy at the stadium. I was listening to a little bit of music, too. I try and pump myself up for these shows. Today, John, I'm going to read you. I'm going to sing and that's going to give it away, but I'm going to sing three lines from this song, if you can guess it. And my heaven is a nice house in the sky. Got central heating, and I'm all right. Oh, what is that? So much to say, so much to say, so much to say, so much to say. Treading, trotting trails. <laughs> So much to say. It's Dave Matthews. Come on. It is Dave Matthews. Come on. That's my generation. Got him. Let's Craig, go. Before we, before we begin, I have a question for you. Have we We're now peaked? Have we now peaked with our Patreon gimmick? I feel like Apparently, people are asking the questions now. Like, where is the Patreon? Um, what you got to do? There's a thanks below us. You hit the thanks. You can support the channels. And maybe if there's enough thanks. Then we'll give you even more additional content. There will be a Patreon. But you can always find us at Fight Night Picks, TikTok, Instagram. We're out there in the weeds. On this episode of Early Stoppers, we talk Ray Cooper 3's three-peat, John Jones's fatness, and Jake Paul's juice. But we begin, Craig, with Dustin Poirier. Craig, it seems the Diamond has a lot of options these days. He's flirting with Nate Diaz on Twitter. He's the clear number one contender at 55. He's fought at 45. It could probably look reasonably well at 70. I know we've asked this question. So is Poirier now taking over Conor McGregor's mantle as the man with the most options, the king, not the champion, the king of the UFC now with almost all his fights demanding top dollar? In short, is it better to be the king or is it better to be the champ? To be the king, you have to be consistent. And that's kind of where he takes over the moniker from Conor McGregor. And if you look at it for Conor McGregor on the way up, maybe the Chad Mendes fight, obviously the Jose Aldo fight won him over with most people. But if you look at fight fans from 2015, 2016, and you kind of pulled them, you sat them aside at the bar, they've had a, enough, what was before proper 12? Just Jameson, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So they've had enough glasses of just Jameson on the rocks. And you said, hey, if you could be any MMA fighter, who would you be? Nine out of 10 fans are going to say Conor McGregor. And then that one weird guy in the corner is going to go, Demetrius Johnson. He's the greatest of all time. It's Demetrius. But everybody's going to say Conor McGregor. And now you look at it. Well, Conor McGregor, the shticks kind of played out. The bad boy, he's got all the money, he's got the cars, he's got a wife and kids, no other girls, just a wife and kids. But if you look at it, like, nobody really, do you really want to be Conor McGregor right now, running your mouth on social media? Do you want to be that guy? 
Or is it now cool to be the guy that seems to have a decent moral compass, seems to give to charities, has a wife and a daughter, gives back to the community, and seems like his heart is in the right place? John, I'd say a lot of people would probably side with that camp of Dustin Poirier. So I think for him, you know, if it's a king's journey, whether that's for the ransom or for the belt, you can't fault him for what he's doing. I think a lot of people, a lot of fans out there, they can kind of empathize with Dustin Poirier. They can realize where he's coming from. And I think the Dustin Poirier fans, the real lifers that have been there since the time at 45, since he fought Josh Grisby, who was supposed to fight Jose Aldo for the title. Since that time, those Poirier fans don't really care if his next fight's for the title. He's already won the interim belt. That's good enough for a lot of those fans. They don't really care if he's chasing it for the money because it seems like it's coming out of a, a good place. So for me, I'm in that boat. If he can get the money fights, if he gets Diaz, I don't think he's ever going to go back to 45. But if it's at 55, if it's at 70, you can't fault him unless he goes and fights bare knuckle against like Tiago Alves. Then that's, I'm out on that one. You know, here's where it gets interesting for me. I, I do agree Poirier has a lot of options. He may have some of the best options in all of them. Jorge Masvidal's star has diminished a little bit. Connor's star obviously has diminished a little bit. Here's the only problem I see with Poirier. You just said if he can get the money fights, he still has to get them. He's not the money fight. He may never be the money fight. He still needs a dance partner who is bigger than he is. He cannot headline a – he's not an A-side. I'll keep it simple for you. He's not an A-side. He may never be an A-side. Will being the champ make him an A-side? I don't know. And, again, we've had this conversation a lot of times. And, guys, if you feel like we're revisiting it again – it's because it continually gets updated with the new opponents that are possible. But, you know, when he's standing out there at the Hall of Fame induction, it's his day. Does he want to be announced as a champ? Or does he just want to be announced as a guy who had a lot of great fights, and fight of the night, and this, that, and the other? If he wants to be announced as a champ and wants more than just the interim, uh, then I would say he needs to, uh, he needs to see what's up with Chucky Olives. Yeah, I mean, now if you're uh, if you're listening, this is additional on the Patreon. But John's got a shirt that says Brazil. I'm wearing a Red Sox jersey, like a cool guy. No name on the back. I bought this one on sale, and it's an Adrian Gonzalez. It's got uh, 28. But yeah, so any number 28 for the Red Sox. I guess I'm just a super fan. We'll parlay this, John, into the fact that there's a three headed war of words that took place this week between Conor McGregor. Former UFC champion Michael Bisping, who's always in the replies and the mentions, and Daniel Cormier, and they have questioned Connor's commitment and a strategy, which is something that most people do not question. So, do these two sharks smell blood in the water? And then is this a signal that Connor isn't what he may maybe once was? Well, where it gets interesting is, you know, we talk about the company men, right? So we got Cormier, we got uh Cruz to an extent, all the guys that have the desk jobs to some extent, are, are typically company men, right? So I guess the question is, is are these guys speaking for themselves, which they really do, or somehow speaking as a proxy for Dana? I sometimes have always wondered, when I hear Joe Rogan say certain things, Anik say certain things, are they speaking through Dana? Are they full for, uh, for Danans? Um, if that's the case, then Connor's got problems. If it's not the case, and they're just giving it their opinion, Connor remains relevant. Connor remains, you know, once Dana loses interest, then Connor has problems. Because Dana, as we've seen, and we'll get to this later with some other fighters, you know, Dana will put your ass on the shelf and give you a, a less than um, advantageous fight in a less than advantageous time period. Like he'll give it to you around the holidays or whatever bullshit games Dana plays. 
Um, he'll do all those things. And if he's doing those things to you, then you're on the outs. And I think that Stan, Bisbing, and Cormier are great because they're good, especially Bisbing. But, um, yeah, I find that people aren't afraid of Connor, and that's not good. No, it's it's definitely not. And, you know, you kind of look at the landscape right now. McGregor's out for a long time, so it's pretty easy to kind of throw stones in a slow news week, and that's kind of what this is. I mean, we got one comment this week under the picks and predictions like, hey, figured you guys were going to take this card off. Don't know why you'd say that, but that comment was out there. It's not tracking as well as some of the other cards have done, and there's not huge names on this one, so I can see where people might pass considering – Tonight, as we tape on Thursday night, there's the PFL, Bellator's on Friday, UFC's on Saturday. But yeah, when I look at this, it's definitely not good. Um, and considering the second topic that we had in last week's show, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, John Jones, Stipe Miocic, they're on the outs. It's Stipe's birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really weird spot and you hate to see it, you know, because Conor McGregor is such a big star. But, uh, if that's the lengths that you have to go to to generate the clicks, and that's what you go with. Uh, let us know down below in the comments section what we should use for thumbnails in the future. Should we go like hardcore clickbait? Because there's some channels out there that do that. I, I tend to ride that line a little finely. That's what I like to do. Hardcore clickbait. I'm in. I'll be in the comments letting you know. Craig, can we move on? Jake Paul fights Tyron Wood Sunday. Not this Sunday. Next Sunday. Conventional wisdom is that Jake Paul's playing with house money. Any fight is gravy. Because the expectation low for the Craig, they're not low anymore. So it becomes, and Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, who has more to lose? John, I reference this a lot. You know, there's a Billy Talent song out there. There's nothing to lose when no one knows your name. There's nothing to gain. But when I look at this fight, and as bad as John's video quality is going to be, because I think it might be an internet problem on my end, if you're Jose Aldo, you don't need that. Again, you talked about it earlier right at the start. You know, when Dustin Poirier is up there, he gets his induction ceremony and so on and so forth. When Jose Aldo is up there getting his induction ceremony with UFC, are people really going to be clamoring for YouTube boxing fights? I mean, let's think about some UFC Hall of Famers that have done stuff like this. Is Ben Askren one of them? No. Tito Ortiz is, but he's fighting Anderson Silva, so it's not that bad, right? There's going to be big names out there. I mean, I'm sure Connor's going to take a fight. If Floyd Mayweather took a fight against the Paul brother, I'm sure Connor McGregor's going to take one, and we always bring his name up. But Jose Aldo, to me, he's one of those pure sporting type of guys. He he is a real purist in his own right. This is a guy that late in his career has now started to really check leg kicks and work his boxing with the, what was it, the Brazilian Army, Navy, do the Navy box? Do they box on like the ships? I don't know, but you you'd be better served to answer that one. As they you do. Did, sir. They they do box on the ships. Well, that's weird. What happens if you get hurt? Do they airlift you out? Yeah, they do. Okay. Well, I've learned something new today. But they I just throw you over think... the side and, and wish you the best. See you later, alligator. I don't see this one happening. I, I don't. Jose Jose doesn't need it. I like what he said this week. I really do. I respect it. I agree. I think that, you know, I think that it's good to have somebody that still wants to be, you know, a guy that just says, nah, it's not for me. And, you know, this has got these were the quotes that he had this week. He's doing these fights, especially when you're in the end of your career. 
when you're in the end, I think it's worth worth much money as possible because in general they didn't manage well their careers, so they're going down that path. Thank God this door is open for them, and they're making good money. But Aldo, no, to me that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't get inside my head. I have always fought for a legacy. I've always fought to make history and have my story told and have some people say. 30 years from now, Aldo was the greatest featherweight champion and went down to band weight and became champion as well. No money can buy that. To me, legacy is worth more, way more than money. I agree with him. I, under, I like that he's taking into account those that need it and also saying that he's not one of them and uh, you know, really um, focusing on what his legacy is all about and what's important to him. So I, I like to hear that from Aldo. Uh, now, it remains to be seen if we'll ever see him one of those because many people have eaten their words when it comes to this stuff. Uh, but we'll see. Craig, we move on. I'm going to revisit the topic that I actually started uh, with that you somehow skipped, and we'll fix in editing. Jake Paul, Craig, fights Tyron no. Woodley next Sunday. Conventional wisdom is that Jake Paul is playing with house money and any fight is gravy because the expectations were so low from the beginning. But now the expectations are raised, Craig. So the question becomes, when Jake Paul fights Tyron Woodley, who has more to lose? Paul? Or Woodley. Tyron Woodley lost a lot of fights against good fighters at the end of his UFC run. And then he went out on a shield against Vicente Luque, which is honorable. I think Tyron Woodley's the guy that has more to lose. But, hey, I mean, neither guy has a ton to lose. Here's, I want to frame this one to you. I'll probably buy it. Probably. Who is targeted by this? Who is buying this fight? Really? Who? Jake Paul fans. And people really? don't want to see him get beat up. Really? There's a big, I think, I mean, look at the number the Askren fight did. You think this fight does better or worse than Askren? Better because it's in the summer. People have more disposable income. That's fair. Now, here's the question I will pose to you. At what point is it no longer embarrassing to lose to Jake Paul? Have we? If he beats Tyron Woodley or now? When he beats a real legitimate boxer, like a real, like not a jobber, like a name that's competitive. That's, that's when it's real. You beat a YouTube fighter that has no pro boxing experience. Cool, man. That's cool. They never really trained that a hundred percent full time for a long time. But like it, I, what, what weight class, like does he walk around at what? Like 189? Is that where he's at? Something like that. Who, Paul? Yeah. Give yeah, me, so- give me like a legit. Give me a legit guy in and around that area, then we're talking. But until then, yeah, it's tricky. Or maybe, you know, like a, a, like once he's 10 and 0, once you can start to market you know, him that way. Here's where it gets interesting because the weight classes are a little bit different in boxing. And if I listen, I mean, it's been a while since I've really been that deep in the game in boxing. But if, if, if memory serves, a middleweight's 160 pounds in boxing. And it's 185 pounds in the UFC. So, I mean, listen, so if Paul's a middleweight in UFC, but, I mean, if he went in there with Triple G, let's just say it, something that would never happen, but if he did, I mean, he wouldn't be pushing Triple G around like that, even though he's got 20 pounds on him. If he went in there with Canelo, you know, Canelo fights at, at 60, he fights at 54, I mean, he's gone up. He wouldn't yep. push those guys around. So that's where I think it gets interesting. If you're a legitimate boxer, I don't want to say weight doesn't matter. Weight doesn't matter against a non-boxer. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that if, you know, I don't think Conor McGregor would push Ryan Garcia around. 
Give him my Canadian friend. Give and I know I listen. This would have to be like off the record, not sanctioned. But give him Jean Pascal. Like make that fight or like a Badu Jack, one of those two guys. And it's uh, Michael Chavello's big line. It's good night, Irene, because you're not you're not going to win one of those fights there. I want to move on, John, because we've got a topic down here, and I love it. And I've been riding this guy's coattails forever. Because Joe Rogan has said that Cyril Gaon has changed the standard of striking for heavyweight. The exact quote is, Cyril Gaon beat the sh out of him, Rogan said. He shut him out. He shut him out. It was a shutout for, I think he stopped him in the third. Cyril Gaon, who's 6'5", 247 pounds, moves like a 170 pounder. It's crazy. He's bouncing like Wonder Boy. The entire fight, bouncing, throwing feints, he completely changed the standard of heavyweight striking, and I'm not exaggerating. I watched it three times. I watched it today, in fact, while I was working out. There's no question he's the best moving heavyweight I've ever seen, the best moving. Every time Derek Lewis goes to set up to move towards him, Cyril Gaon is nowhere to be found. He lit Derek Lewis up every time Derek Lewis comes to him. His movement in terms of closing distance is spectacular, and I was severely impressed. So, John A., does Joe Rogan speak about fighters the same way that Matt Allen does? I'll give you an example. Let's say Joe, Jose Aldo is fighting Pedro Munoz. Jose Aldo has a big fight coming up against Pedro Munoz. Jose Aldo is going to have his hands full against Pedro Munoz. I can't wait to see Pedro Munoz walk to the cage to take on Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo is such a good boxer. Jose Aldo really does do a good job of checking leg kicks. You know Jose Aldo. Hey, Matt, call him Jose. Maybe call him Aldo. Call him like, I don't know, the King of Rio. Stop calling him the same thing every time. But, John, is Joe Rogan right here about Cyril Gaon? Well, I don't think he's right if he's saying that Cyril Gaon is uh, somehow putting the heavyweight striking into the warp speed or go, taking it someplace it's never been. Um, for, from this perspective, I don't know if beating Derek Lewis is the performance that tells you that. Because Derek Lewis isn't necessarily a technical fighter. So, I mean, it's not like he was – if he did that against Stipe or something, then okay. But, you know, I, and listen, have we forgot about Alistair Overeem? Have we forgot about guys that came in with some real striking prowess other than, you know, I mean, I would even say um, – let me not get myself too ahead of myself. I'm not – Pedro you know, Hizzo, had, really early on? No, but, I mean, we've had Crow Cops a heavyweight. We've had, uh, you know, guys that are just um, – I thought Czech Congo had good hands, Cardonk. but I'm not – listen, I'm not saying there's a long line of heavyweights that have done this, but I think to, 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 to say that, to make that statement that Rogan made after it was a defeat of Derek Lewis and completely dismissing Alistair Overeem, I think is a little short-sighted. So that that's as far as I'll go with it. I don't think that he should have made it after this fight. I think there's other fights you could have made it after yeah, the one before Derek Lewis when he beat Alexander Volkov and did the same thing. No, I'm serious. I, I think if you have to tie that one in, if you tie that one in, you tie in the fight against like Dante Mays, the way that he beat Tanner Bowser in a technical chess match, that's the way that most people don't beat Tanner Bowser. And I know since then, Bowser's gone on to lose a few that maybe he shouldn't have. But to me, I think it's great. I think it's a little weird. Obviously, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan. These are the words I'm using. But I think he stopped them in the third. Maybe that's why Joe wasn't at that pay-per-view, you know? If you think it was the third. Was it the third? If you watched it three times and you watched it today, it was probably the third, wasn't it? <laughs> so listen, uh, really quickly. Do you think Cyril Gaon, I'll give you three names. Do you think Cyril Gaon could have done that against Alistair Overeem, Cain Velasquez, or Junior Dos Santos? If he could have do, done it against them. Yeah. If you do, think he could have done it against those three guys in their prime? 
then I will concede the argument to Rogan. You're telling me he didn't beat Junior Dos Santos in his prime when he knocked him out? No. Ah. Junior Dos Santos. Cyril Gaon was in short pants when Junior Dos Santos was in his prime. And we I move think he could have beat. Go ahead. I think he could have. I think he could have. And we move on, Craig. Let's talk Chad Mendez real quick. Chad Mendez said a thank you to the UFC this week for permission to fight BKFC, but says he would never come back to the UFC for what they're offering to pay him. Uh, did Mendez make the right decision here? I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, uh, if you're Chad Mendez, you look at the UFC rankings right now at 145 pounds. Like, it's it's tricky. It's really tricky. So I think maybe he's got a better opportunity, especially this late in his career, to make uh, you know a significant amount of money if it's as significant as it seems to be over with BKFC. And if that's the case, then yeah, because I think you know you put Mendez in there against Holloway, you put him in there against Volkanovski, you put him against. Ortega, I think he'd struggle with Korean Zombie, and then I can continue to go down the list. It's tricky to climb up that hill. But if you can go to BKFC and they're going to pay you fair money, listen, fair play to the guy. I haven't uh, been one to kind of stand on a hill and say, no, don't go over there. It's not for me. I've said that time and again. But if this is his great opportunity, and all he has to do is throw on, what, tape around his knuckles, then for it. So, uh, you know, it's the old saying, do you want to be a little fish in a big pond or a big fish in a little pond? BKFC is a little pond. Chad Mendez over there is a huge fish. So I think that, that, you know, the way that he's treated in and around that promotion will be much better than the way that he's treated in the UFC. And he's probably compensated much better. All right, Craig. I can't. Go ahead. Just, I can't wait to hear those conversations around the bar. Hey, man, did you hear Chad Mendez is fighting bare knuckle tonight? We should buy that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to hear those. You're right. Craig, we move on to sparring sessions. Craig, Sean O'Malley came out this week and said, I get paid the same no matter who I fight. This goes in line with Chael Sonnen saying of fight the easiest guy you can for the most amount of money. So O'Malley's clearly cheating off Chael's paper these days. So the question I have for sparring sessions this week, is O'Malley right? And is the path of least resistance the best path for him to take? Like, this is going to be really hard for me to remake the meme, but just bear with me. And then, like, the hat goes on, and he's got the glass. Like, oh, okay, cool, man. Um, You know, I look at it for Sean O'Malley. Does he need to fight ranked competition to really kind of boost himself up? No, no. I mean, he could go out there and fight tomato cans. The blueprint's already there with other organizations, and you know the fighter that I'm going to talk about. It's Michael Venom Page. Sean O'Malley, Michael Venom Page, kind of one in the same. Very exciting fighters, very good finishes. Did they fight the best fighters that they should have at the time? Probably not. Now, for MVP, I thought he lost to Paul Daly. Uh, he definitely lost against Douglas Lima. A lot of people were giving him a lot of credit in the first fight. Now they're going to rematch, so we'll see how that one goes. Douglas is on a slide. It could be Page's springboard into stardom. But for Sean O'Malley, yeah, if he's getting paid no matter what. Now, this is the same guy that was kind of... Wasn't he a little upset about fighter pay a week ago? Wasn't that a thing? And then now it's like, ah, I get paid regardless, so I'm going to go in there and do that. So the money outside of the cage must not be a huge issue. That's that's what I read out of this conversation. Well, here's what I read out of it, and, and I may be reading too much out of it, but if he's really, play, if he's really, you know, working from Chael's playbook, here's what I think. Chael said, never ask for anything you can't get. So, you know, don't call for a fight if you can't, if you don't have the juice to pull it off because you just look weak. So if in that line of thinking, if he knows he can't get the money, then he should then then the then the other option would be 
to say, you know what, fuck it, pay me whatever you want and I'll fight whoever. And that seems like you're, you're saying, I'm still in control here. Um, I don't know that that may, means he's still in control, but it certainly gives the appearance of it. So, um, so we'll see. I, I think the kid, um, here's the upside to the path of least resistance. If they're going to keep pushing you, it's easier for them to push you if you're taking out cans. So, um, I think that, that, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. This kid could get a title shot with some weird wins stacked together just because people are going to demand it. He's the kind of guy that beats like the 20th ranked guy, then the seventh, then the second, then he's fighting for the belt. Like he's just kind of. Sometimes you got to beat Dennis Seaver to make it all the way up, right? Sometimes you got to beat Dennis Seaver. Craig, and we move on. Let's talk about. Jake Paul again and Jake Paul's hit list in For the Gram. I want to deconstruct this Jake Paul hit list, and I'll flash this up for you folks. But here's the list. You tell me what you think about it. Um, he took out whoever the first guy was. I'm not even, I don't even want to deal with him. Nate Robinson, Ben Askren. I got Tyron Woodley, Canelo, Nicker Nate Diaz, Kamara Usman. Says Timmy, he means Tommy Fury, Conor McGregor, KSI, Gervonta Davis, and the last name's Logan Paul, question mark. Here's my question for you quickly. Um, I hope there's not an order of appearance because he's not going to get Canelo before he gets Tommy Fury. Um, is this all just to, to build up a, a fight with Logan? Or could they just have done that already by now? What's what's the plan here? What's the, the plan is fight? to call out... Big not boxers and little real boxers. That's exactly what that list is, right? I mean, Tommy Fury's not that small, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Tommy Fury fought a guy from like, from like five minutes away from my house right now. I'm not wow. even kidding you. I'm dead serious. So that's what I'm trying to bring up right now. So I, I, I want to hand it off. Because I'm going to look this one up. But to you, what do you think about this one? Because to me, it's, yeah, you're going to cherry pick small guys. And then you're going to pick big guys. Like, fuck, pick a celebrity, why don't you? And, and you know, have, listen, fight, have fight Chris Pratt. Like, let's do that. You know, there's certain guys on this list I don't necessarily agree with. Um, but I will say this. The worse they do and the better this kid does, the more real, more real it gets. And, you know, when I saw this list, it looks like my son's Christmas list. He hands me a list, and I go, okay, let's cross a couple of these off that just ain't happening. You want a quad? Not going to happen. You want, you know, a basketball hoop? Maybe. I think Canelo is like your 12-year-old like son asking for a jet ski. It's like, dude, let's bring this thing back to earth. But some of them I could see happening. Was not Tommy Fury. It was Huey Fury. And uh, that boxer is Chris Norad. Chris Norad fought Huey Fury back in 2019. And since then, his losses, Huey's losses, only two, Joseph Parker and Povetkin. So, yeah, pretty legit fighter, Chris Norad, Huey Fury. Back to This never happens, but it's happening tonight. One Twitter hitter, it's not even a discussion. It's a shout-out. Apparently, friend of the show, Brendan Schaub, is an honest-to-goodness hero. Craig, there was a car accident. Schaub rescued some kids from the car and the, after the mother had died. I don't really know 
uh, what we can we can't comment on this, but I just think, listen, we bust this guy's balls enough. Every once in a while, we can say something nice. Good job, Brendan Schaub. Uh, kudos to you. Yeah, the homeless cats over on the subreddit, you guys got to pump the brakes. You went way too hard. Like, I get it. You know, it's funny to make fun of them and this and that. And you're memers. I get it. But yeah, the like, you're... You're turning over stones you don't need to turn over. You're tossing on your tinfoil hats and you're really ragging on this guy. And it seems like there's a lot of corroborating stories that this was legit. So, yeah, between that and then using his platform for good to raise, uh, you know, money for Amy G and the family there. Like, this is, it seemed like a little bit of a play early on. And then as more details have come out, it seems, you know, really legit. So, credit it's due man the guy did uh did uh you know a good deed and, and great work there so yeah i mean shouts to brendan Shaw. never thought we'd be saying that on this show but it's true posting to the book time well the dream match might be a nightmare craig it seems as if anderson silva and tito ortiz have some odds have come to odds over the weight the fight which is going to be on september 11th is going to be contested at 195 pounds Tito's not happy about it craig this fight already had everything i could hope for but is there a chance that if there was a chance that Anderson and Tito were going to have a little wink gentleman's agreement that this was just going to be an exhibition, that is completely out the window now with Tito pulling his shit. Well, we talked about it. I mean, I feel like this is – it's its funny that we haven't made the reference yet, but it's that wrestling fan in the high school gymnasium. It's still real to me, damn it. And Anderson Silva is taking this one serious, and it's still real to him. I'm cool with it. Uh, the only thing that's not going to be cool is, and if I shout loud enough, she's going to be able to hear it, but it's my wife's birthday on the 11th, and we're going to be in St. Andrews, so it's going to be a little awkward for me to try and watch the pay-per-view, but I'm still going to do it. You know I'm going to do it. I got something going on that night, too. I got to figure out my way around that. A uh, quick Anderson Silva story. I went to Fan Expo one year, and I wanted to take a picture with Anderson Silva and doing a face-off, which is the lamest thing you can do, but I tried to get it done. Gave my buddy my phone. And I squared up with him. When I looked at Anderson, Anderson looked straight. And when I looked straight, Anderson looked at the side of my head. Which goes to tell you that Anderson Silva is going to do what the fuck he wants. And if he wants to go in there and bust Tito Ortiz's ass, he's going to go in there and bust Tito Ortiz's ass. It doesn't matter. And Tito is not helping his case. Craig, we move on to start the conversation. Back on Jake Paul. A lot of Jake Paul this week. Faraz Sahabi says Jake Paul is for sure... On PEDs. So the question, Craig, that I saw raised this week, and I'm going to raise it here, is if you're Tyrone Woodley and you, let's say we live in a world where Tyrone Woodley is squeaky clean when it comes to PEDs, and we have no reason to think otherwise. You spent your whole career clean, even though you aren't being as strictly tested now, and you think that that kid Paul might be on PEDs. Are you in an unwinnable situation? On the one hand, you're fighting a guy who's probably on PEDs. And on the other hand, if you try to counteract that with getting on PEDs yourself, you throw your body into flux, you throw everything sort of off. Can you just kind of say, hey, this is what we got to do? Uh, so message from my wife. I don't have to shout for her to hear everything. A lot of shit emojis, so we're going to have to <laughs> clean that one up after the show. Um, huh, okay, let's go early 2000s baseball stars, John. I'll start, you stop. Um, Craig Biggio. Stop what? Is he clean? Yeah, he's clean. Yeah. Give me another clean one. Uh, Jim Tomey. Yeah, Jim Tomey's a good one. Uh, Jr. Ichiro. 
Ichiro, Ken Griffey Jr. Todd Helton. Scott Rowland, Derek Jeter. All right, so those guys are, with the exception of maybe Scott Rowland and maybe <laughs> Todd Helton, Rockies Hall of Fame. Um, those guys are all Hall of Famers. But they competed with guys that were juiced, so I don't think it really matters. I agree. I just think that these guys are going to find themselves in a situation where they're going into the disadvantage, and it has to be accounted for. So if I were Tyrone Woodley or guys moving forward, I would at least try to get these fights a little bit more strictly regulated. I don't think that the answer is to get on PEDs. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying you're 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 walking into the fight unavoidable situation. You're going in there with the fucking Incredible Hulk, and you're Bruce Banner. You know, you're whoever you are, and this guy's you know juiced up to the gills. So I, I think that something needs to be done. Superman never made any money saving the world from Solomon Grundy. Crash test dummies. Quick, uh, rank them because we're gonna man, get yourself together, Franklin. Quick, rank them. Because you're going to edit this anyway. Um, Craig, if every person had to answer all questions truthfully, give me your top 10 fighters you'd want to interview. And go. George St. Pierre. Carlos Newton. uh, BJ Penn. Oh, I want to go out to left field. Dan Severn but I feel like he'd answer them all truthfully anyway. And then some like he'd sell the farm in the first few answers. Um, Matthews. Uh, Frig. Tito Ortiz is a good one. I know it was already topical. Um, Both Shamrock brothers. I must be up there. John Jones. Um, Go out Conor McGregor. And. Hmm. Rampage Jackson. You're missing one big guy. If they had to be truthful, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. All right, Craig, let's go to finish strong. I only got a couple this week. Uh, Ray Cooper, three. Beats Roy McDonald. Makes his third straight finals. How impressed are you with that feat? Incredibly impressed. And I don't think it goes to show that it's a poor division. Um, I think it goes to show just how good Ray Cooper the third is. I think we, Matt and I gave him his flowers before he fought Rory. We thought, uh, Ray was going to win. We talked all about his wrestling and how he's going to counteract Rory McDonald's game plan. Not that we're, you know, behind a crystal ball or clairvoyance, but that's what happened. So kudos to him. He's got his hands full with Magomed Magomed Karimov, who did like, uh, you know, remember when Habib fought Ally Quinta? And Joe Rogan kept saying he shouldn't box with him. This is ridiculous. Well, Magomed Karimov boxed with a great kickboxer in Sadabu C and did fine in the second round of that fight. So, yeah, Magomed Karimov is a wild guy. That, that, I think it's great. And uh, kudos to Ray Cooper III. And lastly, I agree. And lastly, Israel Adesanya said John Jones is getting fat for no reason. He doesn't want to fight a heavyweight. And they will still fight. Two questions. Will they fight? Will it matter? How did Israel Adesanya make out when he went up to 205 pounds and had a little bit of meat to his bones? Didn't work very good. Uh, so don't throw stones at glass houses. And I don't remember your second question. Will they fight? Will it matter? Uh, no, they will not fight. So that answers they the second not. one. Guys, yeah. there you have it. Craig can be fought at Craig Allen FP. I can be fought at SM Quarterman. The fight has been stopped. We'll see you next week. Craig, the Express. Hard out edition of Roy Stoppage.
Say something witty. Check out Creations by Kemi. Kemi Custom Sneakers. George St. Pierre. Right there. Peace.